today is a very special day, uh, definitely for me, because it is beautiful when God gives us vision, and then we see the vision come about. Um, it is not always easy uh, to uh, clarify a vision that God gives us, and then we try to figure out how we're going to accomplish that, uh, because there's a lot to do to get that happening. What I'm talking about is vision uh, for us to be more outside of our building. Uh, we, are, we are a church not just when we gather like this. We are a church that is called to do something. And so we have uh, sought as staff, as a church, to create an atmosphere of going, an atmosphere of doing. Uh, what we call that around here is think big. And so we think big, B-I-G means believe in God. Think big about missions. Think big about great dreams, about things that we could accomplish, not just when we gather in this building, but when we get outside of this building. Think big for us uh, is not simply an expression of what could we do, but changing a mindset, establishing what could happen over a generation uh, as we think about going and doing. Uh, for us, that means that we talk to first and second graders about going and doing and what it means to be mission-minded uh, in our world. Uh, third and fourth graders have a trip they go on. Fifth and sixth graders uh, are a part of that. They, they go over a whole weekend and uh, visit another church and help them. We've had um, refuge trips. As a matter of fact, right this minute, our refuge students, over 40 of them and our adults, are on their way back from Colorado. They should be here about the time we end the second service. Uh, they've been there all week thinking big about missions, and God has blessed them. We've had our college-age students involved in trips. Now we have a trip to Belize. And even uh, next month, we have what we call Think Big Local, uh, which is how could we think big about getting outside of our building uh, one of the visions that we, we had here, conversations that we had over the last few years was, would it be possible for us to be involved in a medical missions trip? Um, you know, we had lots of nurses here, a lot of people that seemed to have interest in that. I'd never done that before, but I always felt like that was something that God was laying on our heart. Uh, so how does that come about? Two ways. One is uh, you got to have leaders, uh, and I'm going to introduce them to you in just a minute. The second way that happens is for all of us to go. Uh, so how do you get everybody in this church to Belize? Uh, well, it starts with prayer. You know, prayer takes us to Belize. Uh, another way is by selecting a team of people that can accomplish the kind of tasks uh, that needs to be done there. We've accomplished that, and you're going to meet them in a little while. Uh, we've had your involvement. Um, many of you might re remember we had a wall full of items that you could donate. We couldn't have you bring the medicine uh, and those items because of regulations and what we had to do there. But you brought, uh, we had 130 plus different items that people donated and we packed all of those in these suitcases up here. And so uh, that's uh, part of you going to Belize. Uh, another way is some of you donated these suitcases. All these suitcases were donated by people in the church. So you might recognize one of yours here or there. Uh, that's there. There are at least 20 of those, I think, up here today. Um, 
Also, we had an offering over the last two weeks uh, to, uh, to raise funds related to all the expenditures we had with that. And uh, just in those two weeks, we raised over $4,000 uh, for the Belize Fair. That is pretty awesome there. So uh, thanks for going to Belize. Uh, that's where we're headed. So I hope that in your prayers this week, uh, there is a card out on the, the Welcome Center that you can pick up that has, has the picture on there, and the picture's not fully accurate because we took the picture week, weeks ago. I'm definitely not going, so I'm, not on, I'm on there, but I'm not going there. But the list of names is accurate, I think, pretty close on the back. So it gives you a chance to pray for them. So this week, go to Belize. Uh, we're going to send some people to Belize, but I want you to go there through your prayers. It's going to make a difference. We're going to pray about that at the end of the service. But uh, I asked, since I couldn't be preaching these next couple of weeks, that I asked uh, our leaders uh, to come and to share with us. Brian and Carol Etock uh, came to us as children's pastor. You guys can come on. Um, and they had experience, and they're going to talk to you a little bit about that. But I'm so grateful for them. God has used them to help us to be able to go to Belize. So would you welcome our leaders of this Belize trip, as well as our children's pastor and his wife, Carol. This is Brian and Carol Etock. Thank you. Well, I wanted to tell you a little bit about myself and how God, I think, has led me to this point today. But I grew up at Peoria, in Peoria, and I attended Peoria first. I accepted Jesus at eight years old. Um, after high school, I kind of made some decisions that were pleasing to Carol and not really God-pleasing. But I decided that I wanted to be a part of uh, nursing. I wanted to be a nurse. Um, I took some classes, didn't really do so well. I don't really want to admit that, but I guess I am. And um, when God said, you know what, go to nursing school, I said, yep, that's what I want to do. So the first semester of nursing school, I attended a service with Brian, and I felt God saying, I, I want to use you for medical missions. You got to get it together. You got to put me first, and you got to serve me. Okay, all right. Lord, I can do that. I can use this for your glory. I said yes to him and no to Carol. When I heard that, I heard, I'm going to send you to Africa in a hut. And I thought, oh boy, Lord, I can't go to Africa in a hut because I need my curling iron and I need my big sexy hairspray. <laughs> That's what I told the Lord. So, he had other plans. <laughs> Brian and I were dating at this time, and I thought, I don't even know if, he, if this is something that he would want to do. So after the service, I was telling Brian what the Lord had put in my heart. And then he asked me and called me to go to medical missions. I said, do you think that that's something that you can do? That's kind of a relationship game changer right there if someone says, I want to go, and the other one doesn't want to go. And so Brian said, yeah, that's okay with me. And mind you, when God was talking, I heard Africa, because that's where I grew up hearing. I don't really know where the mission field is, but we kind of put our preconceived ideas on what God tells us. And really, that's not what he has in store for us. After we were married, Brian and I were able to go on several uh, mission trips. We went to Mexico, Africa, and Cali, Colombia. But I still had in my heart a longing for medical missions. 
So while I was attending the University of Illinois, I had the opportunity to join a team, a group called Little by Little, and we would go to Mountaintop Ministries in Haiti. Um, this particular team I was scheduled to go on was in March. However, the team before me was January, was when they had went, and that team was there during the time of the earthquake. They were on their last day of their clinic day, walking home, and they felt the earth shake beneath them. So unfortunately, because of the earthquake and the devastation, the university said no more students can go. I was crushed. I thought, this was my chance. This is what I'm supposed to do. How can it not be happening? God had another plan. Needless to say, at that time, when my heart was broken, I said, it's going to be your timing. It's not going to be Carol Etock's timing, because I sure like to tell him the time. After I graduated with my nurse practitioner degree, God allowed me to go to Haiti five times, two on my own and three with Brian and I leading a team. Mountaintop Ministries is extremely organized. Um, they have a school, they have a church, they have a health clinic with multiple teams coming several times throughout the year. This clinic is where patients, they check in in an area, they get their vitals taken, they see the medical provider, they also go to the lab if simple things are needed, and then they go to the pharmacy and get their medications, and, that's, and then they're done. However, this process can take a while. It's not like our scheduled appointments here. It's they come, and they come to the village and they wait, and they wait, and they may wait hours, they may wait days, but we try and see everyone that comes but everyone at least gets vitamins so that they can be healthy because they don't have a Walgreens or Walmart real close that they can get those things. So timing and circumstances have, have prevented us from returning to Haiti. However, when Brian and I moved here, we had a conversation with Pastor Brock. He said, you know, I've been praying and I've been thinking about a medical mission trip and my heart just leaped out of my chest. I could hardly think about anything else. Pastor had me at medical mission trip. <laughs> I started thinking about the comfortable, the well-organized, all the things that I know um, and what to expect and how to help others to know what to expect. And I thought, okay, this is going to be great. And then we started talking about places and we started praying about places and and places that no team had gone before, and places where they hadn't had a medical team before. And the place we chose was a place that had medical slash education in the name, but had never had a medical team come before. And this is where Pastor wants to go. <laughs> All of a sudden, now I'm uncomfortable, I'm stretched, I'm unsure, I'm questioning my ability, my plan to anticipate for the unknowns. And I hear God say, Carol, it's not about you. It's not about your planning. It's not about your comfort. You're not here to be comfortable. Ugh. God reminded me of the verse. Take delight in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. Psalm 37, 4. As a child, when I heard this verse, I skipped right to the end, and I heard, he will give you the desires of your heart. I thought, woohoo, all right, I'm going to get married, I'm going to have kids, I'm going to have a great job. I skipped over the first part. Taking delight, taking pleasure in the Lord, spending time with Him, hearing Him, 
following the ways of Jesus. I, I skipped over that part. That verse means give up Carol's ways, Carol's selfish desires, Carol's insecurity, all my fears, and my ugliness, and find out what God's desire is. That means to have a relationship with Him. We are to seek His desires, and when we do this, His ways become our desires. When we moved here, I had several desires. I wanted this to be a great ministry for Brian. I wanted the boys to make friends and to be a light in their school, um, and for Joan to find friends and a Bible study. In my desire, I had two. My desire was, um, one, that, that I could be a part of a singing group. And when we were in Indianapolis, pastor leans over to me and says, hey, you know, I've been thinking about a group that maybe like eight of us could sing together. And do you think you want to be a part of that? And I thought, oh, Lord, thank you. That was just a little desire that he'd put in my heart that I hadn't told anyone. My second desire was the medical trip. I have to tell you, God is so faithful. And when we say yes, we, when we said yes to move here, we were stepping out of our comfort zone, stepping away from what we loved, what we knew, and following God's call, whatever that looked like, to be here at PFN. God provides. His timing of providing is always perfect. And he answers the desires of your heart. I need to tell you all I'm excited about the unknowns of Belize, the things maybe we haven't planned for, that we've, that we've tried to plan and account for, I'll tell you that. I found that when we're out of our comfort zone, when we're out of reach of what we know, that's when we have a choice. That's when we have a choice to rely on God's strength. His ways are better than ours. I recently heard a story about a little boy that was told that he needed to go to bed and shortly after he got to his bedroom this storm started raging outside and the wind was pelting against the window and he heard the, the, uh, the wind outside and he called down the hallway to his parents and if you are a parent you probably heard this call, Mom, Dad, I'm scared. And they called back up to him and they said, it's okay, buddy, it's all right, it's just a storm. I want you to remember that Jesus is always with you. And so he crawled back into bed and he prayed. And a short time later, he crawled uh, out of bed once and again and he went to the hallway and he said, Mom, Dad, I think I need a Jesus with some skin on, please. And it's a cute story about an innocence of a child, but isn't that the truth? Isn't, I don't want to discount the Holy Spirit, but sometimes we go to people and we'll say, just pray about it. It's okay, Jesus is always with you. And the very people that we're speaking to, really what they want and what they need at that time is a Jesus with some skin on them. 
And of course we pray. And of course the Holy Spirit intervenes and he answers prayers. But sometimes I think God is saying, I'll gladly answer their prayers. Of course I'm going to answer their prayers. But I have you next to them now for a reason. I've sent you to talk to them. I remember a friend of mine one time, I went to his house and him and I had decided we were going to do some target practicing. And, and uh, so we got the guns out. And we uh, shot some things with some pistols. That was fun. Some uh, rifle or two. And then the fun started when we got the shotguns out and we started blowing stuff up. Amen, guys? <laughs> and uh, soon after we started shooting his grandfather's old Winchester shotgun, something went wrong. And it all of a sudden stopped ejecting the spent shells. And after every shot, we would have to pry open the uh, shotgun, the ejection port, and we'd have to remove the old shell. And we tried to fix it out there in the field. We didn't have any luck doing it. And uh, then I got the brilliant idea that uh, if I would just watch a YouTube video, I could become an expert on fixing this gun, right? And so I took the gun home and uh, I watched the YouTube video on how to uh, fix and clean that particular model of gun. And uh, long story short, I ended up paying a gunsmith $60 an hour to fix all of my further mistakes. <laughs> See, sometimes I need somebody who just knows what they're doing with skin on uh, to come alongside of me. And I think you know what I mean. How many of you have been to a point in your life where you just didn't know where to turn and where to go. Some of you and us have been down in the dump so much that you've had this debilitating depression in your life that no amount of rest seems to cure. You just, you have to have somebody to talk to. See, I used to think being a pastor was the easiest job anyone could ever have until I became a pastor. Uh, I once started uh, I once started dealing. Once I started dealing with things that uh, I had no idea how to deal with, I needed a pastor to talk to and to come alongside of me. And and so when I started, that's when Pastor Greg Mason was here, and he was the very first phone call that I made when I had no clue what to do as a pastor. I needed somebody with skin on. When I was a respiratory therapist, the only ones that understood what I was going through were fellow respiratory therapists. When I was an EMT, the only ones that understood that were fellow EMTs and paramedics. And I think that's why the medical group is such a tight-knit group of people, because they just understand. They understand what you're going through. And as a pastor, I've had the opportunity to go to Alcoholics Anonymous, to Narcotics Anonymous. I've never been there as an addict, but I've been there to support somebody that is there. And uh, yeah, that, that was important. It was good for me to be there, but uh, the healing happened when they talked to fellow addicts that had gone through what they've gone through. And they've beaten the demons that are hurting them. And they've gotten to the other side. That's when the healing comes. There's nothing quite like that conversation with the person that gets you and understands what you're going through. And so I want you to turn with me to uh, the fourth book in the New Testament, the, the Gospel of John. And I want you to, just the very first chapter, verse 14. John 
chapter 1, verse 14. It's a perfect verse for us on the Sunday that we leave to go to Belize. And, uh, because it's about somebody who can relate. It's about a God who understands us. It's about our God who's not afraid to come down out of heaven and to get dirty and to have dirty hands as he deals with our lives. So let me read this verse about a God who gets it. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only son who came from the father, full of grace and truth. I want to talk about that concept of that uh, as we start here. The word becoming flesh, and he made his dwelling among us. Because John, the one that wrote this book here, the author of this book, was uh, the one who spent every moment with Jesus during his ministry. He was the one that stood, the only one of the disciples that stood at the foot of the cross. One of the very first ones to visit Jesus' empty tomb. And that man is writing to you today, and he wants you to understand a God who gets you and a God who understands. And so John starts with this huge concept here. He starts with the word. The word becomes flesh. Uh, we have to understand that John was writing to two different audiences. He was writing to a, a, a group of... Uh, exploring Christianity. They were kind of the ones that were on the outside, the, the Greeks and the, and the Romans. They were the Gentiles. And if you were Gentile and you heard that for the very first time, or you read those words for the very first time, that the word became flesh, your ears would perk up because you'd heard that before. You were familiar with that concept of, of the word. And in Greek, that would mean the logos. Everyone turn to your neighbor and tell them Logos. That's what we're talking about today, Logos. And if you are from that mindset, a, a Gentile, you would recognize this concept of Logos, this uh, uh, supreme governing, ruling power over everything in the entire universe. And as soon as you heard that word Logos... In your mind, you'd go back and you'd probably be thinking even of what you were taught in school and the teachings of Plato, the philosopher, because Plato talked about logos. Plato talked about the word. He called it the eternal, eternal reason. And so the concept of logos to a Gentile is this huge thing. It's transcending. And if you're from that culture, you'd also understand that logos is very impersonal. This Logos is this abstract idea. This Logos is over everything. This Logos doesn't really care about you. It's just over everything. And the other group were the Jewish people, the Jews. And those were the ones that were waiting, just waiting for this Savior to come up and kick out these Greeks and these Romans and so they could get back to the way things used to be. And if you were Jewish, you'd automatically go back when you heard that word logos to Genesis. Genesis 1 and Genesis 2. And, and you go back to this image that Moses paints when he writes that God spoke and creation happened. And you'd understand that this was a power. This was a transcendence of God who merely speaks and universes Universes appear. 
And if you were Jewish, you'd think back to what we call the wisdom literature of the Old Testament. And you'd know that God is the wisdom of the world. And you'd immediately understand this concept of the word. This logos. Because this logos is bigger than everything you've ever encountered. It's more powerful than anything. And this Logos, this power started everything you've ever seen in your life. And he's the one that sustains everything to this day. But Jews also believed that God could be experienced, but they said that God could never be understood. So here's this common concept of this word Logos. And both sides would have said that this Logos is this ruling power of the universe. It's over everything. One side would have thought it was this impersonable power, and, and the other would have thought it's this powerful God, but someone that could never, ever be understood. And so that's how John decides to open up his book. And every one of our cultures today has a logos, every one of us. Every religion has some sort of ruling power, some principle of the universe. If you're Muslim, you would call your logos Allah. If you were Hindu, you'd have one of three million different gods that would be your logos. If you're a Buddhist, you wouldn't believe in a god, but just the, this collective wisdom uh, that would lead us into some sort of nirvana. And even if you're atheist... You'd probably call that ruling power of the universe the human mind. So there's nothing new about this Logos. Nothing at all. But what came next is absolutely revolutionary. Because John tells us that this word, this Logos, this ruling power of the universe, the one that created everything, became flesh. And he made his dwelling among us. The fancy word for today is incarnate. I love that word incarnate because it, it comes from the word carnivore. Or part of the same two words. I love the word carnivore, obviously. <laughs> and in Belize, we're going to be carnivores. There's this little two-foot rodent, I think, that they want to serve us there in, uh, in Belize. But... Uh, but being carnate means that you are part of flesh and bone. Carnate means that you have meat on you. And so this is God incarnate. God with flesh and bone. God with meat. It means, it literally means that God became human. And this was something that has never been said before. And nobody else believes this, that no other worldview, no philosophical mindset, no other religion has God coming down to earth to become human so that he can give up his life for his creation. Completely revolutionary. And what would blow your mind if you're reading this 2,000 years ago is that Logos, that transcending power of the universe has decided to leave where he is at to become flesh. It reminds me of that show, Dirty Jobs. Has anybody ever watched that show before? I love that show. You can still catch it on, uh, uh, on cable or uh, now. But uh, the host of that show, Mike 
road, travels around the country, and he looks for dirty jobs that nobody else really wants to do. And uh, not only does he report on those jobs, but he does those jobs. And so Micro has done things like cleaning up septic spills. Has anybody ever done that before? I work in Kid Zone. We have septic spills every single week down there. <laughs> But he does some other things like do the, you know, do the maintenance on those gigantic windmills. Has anybody ever done that here? Has anybody ever stood on the outside of one of those windmills to repaint it? He did that. Has anybody ever cleaned the inside of a, bro of a boiler? He studied bird vomit. He's tanned leather. And my personal favorite, because I actually had this job one summer, was picking up roadkill off of the highway. So imagine that. Imagine not being afraid to get dirty or grimy. If you'd use your imagination for a little bit, imagine President Trump or Queen Elizabeth cleaning up dead salmon carcasses. They've done that. Salmon smells bad enough when it's fresh, let alone when it's dead and rotten. But that would be crazy. Half of the world would tune in to see President Trump uh, cleaning the side of a giant windmill, right? Because that half of the world would want to see him fall off, probably, but that's why they would watch it. Can you imagine Queen Elizabeth in her fancy dress and her matching hat out on the highway with a shovel and saying, where would you like me to put this dead raccoon? You know, it doesn't make any sense to us. Of course that wouldn't happen. But in reality, that's what God has done with us. God has left his perfectness. The glory of heaven has come down to get involved with your life and get involved with your dirt and your messiness and the brokenness of your life. All because we are sinful people. And the Bible tells us that the wages of sin is death. And God says, I love you so much that I will star in your personal episode of dirty jobs. And I'm going to give my life for you. And I'm going to die for you. And I'm going to pay the penalty that you should pay. I'll die the death that you deserve. Because I came to give you life. And I created you to live and live abundantly. See, God came to earth so that we could be recreated, so we could be restored, so that we could be rebuilt. How many of you have ever played with Legos? Of course, I'm about every parent here, grandparent probably has and still does. My youngest is starting to grow out of uh, Legos, but uh, recently he would get one of those big sets that cost way too much money uh, for Christmas, right? And uh, recently he started putting them all together himself. And so my job went from being a Lego creator to a Lego recreator. Because my job wasn't putting them together. My job is then to fix it when somebody steps on it or drops it, right? Or when that one piece has been put in the wrong spot. And, or my job is the one to get on my hands and knees and find that one missing Lego piece in the carpeting. Can I get an amen, parents? <laughs> right? 
I think that is a level of hell that we may have to go through if something doesn't work out right. The devil says, you know, yes, there's eternal fire, but first walk over these, bro or these Legos and carpeting. That's, I think, what might have to happen. So I'm not a Lego creator, I'm a Lego recreator. And our creator has gone from being our creator to being our recreator. And he's recreating us into the image that he designed us to be. That's what God is doing. The creator has become the created in order to bring life to his creation. That's a quote from Scott McKnight, one of my favorite Christian authors. Let me say it again. The creator has become the created in order to bring life to creation. That's the concept of the word becoming flesh. And if we understand that concept, it should also give us a confidence. A confidence that God gets us. A confidence that God knows what I'm going through. And maybe you think, nobody understands me, or nobody has ever walked in my shoes. Nobody has ever dealt with the things that I've dealt with. Well, guess what? God has. Because he came from heaven, and the word became flesh. And so he's experienced what you're experiencing. He's gone through what you're going through. And unless any of us ever is beaten and dies on a cross, I'd, I think that he's gone through a whole lot more than we've ever gone through in our lives. He's experienced a desolation like none of us have ever experienced. And so that's what this, this trip to Belize really is all about. It's, it's about a group of 28 people not afraid to get dirty. It's about 28 people going down to Belize and doing dirty jobs there and taking care of people we may never meet again this side of heaven. And get involved in their life. And yes, we're going to be down there and we're going to be taking care of them medically, but also spiritually. And so this group of 28 people, no matter what job that they're doing, are going to be playing dirty jobs. And we're going to get involved in people's life. And today, if you're a follower of Christ, that is your job as well. Jesus is not walking the earth today, not in flesh and bone, but he does through us because we are Christ incarnate. We take Jesus now to the ends of the earth. And our group, our, our tribe here at PFN, we go to the other end of the building and uh, we get down on our hands and knees as first and second graders and scrub baseboards because we have Jesus living inside of us. And we go to Sotowell Nature Preserve on the hottest day of the year. We picked that one great, didn't we? <laughs> and we pull weeds. And we pick up trash as third and fourth graders because they are Jesus with skin on them. And we go to Moline Community Church as fifth and sixth graders to restore and recreate a house of God because we are called to be Jesus with skin on them. And we go to Denver as teenagers. And Pekinites travel to the south side of Peoria. All because you and I are called to be Jesus with skin on. And so today we will begin our journey 
to believe because God has placed his son here in our hearts. And we will take Jesus to Belize. We go not just to relate to the people of Belize. We don't go just to be with them and, and to walk among them. Not just to experience the culture of Belize, Belize, but we go to restore. We go to recreate. We're going there to revive. We go because God is inside of us and we are not afraid to get dirty and have dirty hands. Because that is who he is. And if that's who God is, that's who we shall be. And I'd like to invite the Belize team, if you would come up and join us on stage. So if you're going to Belize, would you just hurry and come on up? I also want to invite our NMI council, our missionary council that is uh, coming and helping send us as well. So if you're part of the Belize group, come up uh, here on stage, join us. And if our, uh, if our NMI council would join us as well. I'm extremely proud of these people. I'm extremely proud of them. They have no idea what's in store for them. None of us do. But we're going to go because we are Jesus with skin on. Pastor, would you come and pray for us? Gathered prayer. I know you're all lined up so pretty and all that. I'd like you to step forward kind of around these bags, uh, these, these pieces of luggage there. Uh, I know that there's some, uh, some of your families are here. Um, I'd love for you to come on, like kids right here. Just, just come right on. We're going to stand up here at the front. So if you're a family and you want to be a part of this prayer time with them, uh, just, just come right on right now. I know some of, you, uh, some of you are not sure what I'm saying. I'm asking you if you're their family, if you want to come forward, uh, you are welcome to do that. Uh, and then I'm going to have um, a bunch of us. I, I want you to, to just, if you would like to, I'm going to have you stand up, and I just want you to come forward. Uh, maybe you, you know some of the people here, and you'd like to stand near them. But uh, we're going to Belize, right? We're, we're not just waving. Yeah, let's appreciate them. We are, we're going to Belize together. These, these folks, uh, I just got to tell you, this has been quite a journey getting to this spot. Uh, all, of, all of these guys, thank you. All of these guys know that the devil has fought this pretty seriously, um, not only with my issues, and, uh, but a uh, number of different things almost daily <laughs> for a while. Um, so our belief has been, if the devil's fighting that hard, it must be going to be glorious, right? Um, so it's going to be fantastic what God is going to do. But I really believe that our prayers will make all the difference. Do you believe that? You know, we don't just, this is not like a sending service, just kind of a nice little thing that we do. We believe that it's going to make a difference because Carol's going to have to make decisions. These doctors are going to deal with things that are going to be really difficult or maybe even disappointing uh, for them. They're not, we're not prepared. We, did, we do all that we know to do as medical people in the United States know to do, but we have no idea. 
uh, what's going to happen there. So what we're counting on is that you are praying and believing that God is going to make a difference there. Amen? That's what's going to happen. So let's stand up. If you want to come forward, just make your way up here. We can get real crowded, whatever you want to do. If you're in the balcony, I'll wait on you a second. If you want to come forward here uh, just to be a part of this prayer time, uh, you can certainly pray from where you are, but I'd love for a number of you to make your way here. Put your hands on some of these people. If you see somebody you want to stand with, just walk right up on the stage. Uh, you're welcome to do that. Anybody else? All right, would uh, all of you touch somebody, please, uh, around you? And all of you out here, would you just reach out your hand like that, uh, reaching toward them? Come right here. Just stand with me. Lord Jesus, I thank you for the witness of what we heard this morning. You became flesh and dwelt among us. Today, Lord, uh, we take your model and we go out into our world. We want to be Jesus in the flesh. Lord, we come to this moment that has been a year at least in preparation. Longer than that in prayer. This is our day. It's the 15th of July, 2018. The day that we leave for Belize. Lord, thank you for a church that would have vision like this. A church that would have a desire to, to give resources and money and time and talent to be able to go. Lord, I believe you put this together. There's not a single person going on this trip that you didn't somewhere along the way say, I want you to go. Lord, I don't even know how you worked all this out, but you have the right people and the, the circumstances and the resources and the talents to be able to accomplish what needs to be done here. You know all the diseases and the care that's going to be needed. Uh, so, Lord, we pray today for healing to happen in Belize. We pray, Lord, that this will, will be a moment of, of love and comfort and help to the people that we encounter there. Lord, we have no idea. We don't know numbers. We don't know anything uh, that's of who's going to be there. We thank you for the people that have gone out before us. And we pray, Lord, that you would put on people's heart an opportunity to allow them to be able to be served. We pray for healing. We pray for the medicine. We pray for the treatment. May all these providers that are leading, all of our nurses, all of the team, Lord, as they make decisions about health issues, Lord, guide them, use them, help them, oh Lord, send people to us, we pray, that we could help. You, you know what we prepared for, so help us, we pray, oh God, and give wisdom and guidance and give uh, insight. And I pray, Lord, that these doctors and nurses will be way smarter than they, than they showed up being, that they will have the hand of God on them. That, Lord, their minds will be just so impacted by your wisdom, by your availability. Lord, they're smart, but none of us are smart as you. You know what we need. And, Lord, we pray for spiritual healing. We pray for people that will be discouraged and broken 
over their health problems or just the needs in their families. Lord, you're going to send people to us that the most important thing that can happen is somebody with skin on them talking to them, giving them comfort, and that somebody cared enough to fry, fly across the world to talk to them, to pray for them, to share a word from Jesus. Lord, we pray that when we're standing or sitting with those people, that they will recognize that it's Jesus in front of them with skin on that's helping and encouraging them. I pray, Lord, for many people that will not know Christ, that will receive Jesus Christ for the first time, or maybe recommit themselves because they haven't met anybody that knew you. We pray, oh God, that your blessing will be on this trip that you will guide every aspect of it, take care of the people, the flights, the luggage, the, the eating, the getting around, the transportation, all the guidance that they need, send people to them. Lord, we just pray that today you would recognize that we together are sending our friends on a trip to be Jesus in Belize. So we celebrate you, we thank you for what you're going to do and for what this trip is going to mean. All praise to you, O oh God. All thanks to you. Lord, we pray that you would uh, protect this group, but that you would be on our hearts. Those of us that are not going, Lord, we pray that you would help us to pray over these next 11 days. That we would trust you, and that when they have a need, that God, you will provide because you've heard our prayers. We love you, we praise you together, and we celebrate what you're about to do through PFN in Belize. We praise you together in Jesus' name. Everybody strongly said, Amen. Amen. Praise the God. Let's celebrate these guys. God bless you. Thanks. You're dismissed.